Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. My name is Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta, and I am so excited to share with you a wonderful piece of compilations and captures from Global Forces Work Human 2018. I'm going to start out with a few of my favorite quotes. You'll be able to capture these as well if you go to twobalanceyou.com slash podcast, and there you'll find images and captures of some of these wonderful quotes. Starting off with Brene Brown, recognition and giving is brave and vulnerable. Gratitude relieves anxiety. Selma Hayek shared, adversity is our best ally for evolution. Tarana Burke, Ronan Farrow, Ashley Judd were all moderated on an amazing panel by Adam M. Grant. Tarana Burke started the Me Too conversation talking about it not being about healing the individual. It's about healing the community. Ronan Farrow then said systems were just as much of a story as the underlying allegations. Ashley Judd, that little powerhouse, said, cherish the whistleblower. Institutional courage takes individual humility, a backbone to do the right thing. Thank you for those words, Ashley. And Adam Grant reminded us about the importance of intergenerational buffering. This ends here. This ends now. And one of my favorite happiness researchers, Sean Acor, reminded us to keep thinking about the may the force of others be with you. Harness that force. And the opposite of happiness is not unhappiness. It's apathy. Loneliness, sadness, and anchor can fuel change. Simon Sinek was one of the later speakers, and he reminded us that human resources should be in defense of the people, not in defense of the executives as well as what does it mean to live an infinite life? How much impact can you have on the lives of others? The event was closed off by Amal Clooney, an incredible social justice lawyer, also known for being married to that very handsome devil, George. And she reminded us that most of her work is unglamorous, deep research, Visibility is best used in context. This is really important for us to remember as we seek to use social tools and technologies to create higher visibility. Use them when they're in context and center your heart in your research so that when you reach out, it's authentic and real. Regarding the Me Too movement, she made a very profound statement that really rung true for me. It's not about men against women. It's about predators and those that were violated. It's not a gender war. Coming up are some highlights from interviews with Kim Crisford of Deloitte's Greenhouse Experience Group, Michael Bush, CEO of Great Places to Work for All, and finally, some bits from our conversation with Global Force's own Senior Director of Design and Creative, Jess Clay, and Andy Swan of Simple Better Human. I hope you enjoy today's episode. 
I'm Kim Christfort. I'm the National Managing Director of the Deloitte Greenhouse Experience, and I'm here at the Work Human Conference in Austin. We just finished doing a breakout on embracing cognitive diversity. Awesome. And you recently uh, wrote a book. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the book? So the book was definitely a passion project. We have mm-hmm. been working on this topic for almost nine years now, and the fundamentals of it are all about how humans connect and how not everyone's the same. We know that, and yet we always assume they are anyway. And so we wanted to somehow bring that to life and to dig into the nuances of it because that's where it really gets interesting. Mm -hmm. So the book was our chance to take all of the sessions that we've done with executives, all of the mentoring that we've done within our own organization, all of the research we've done externally and meld it together into hopefully a very insightful and interesting book. Cool. Well, I look forward to digging into that a little bit more. I only found out about the book as I was coming here. So oh, I really? Had to oh, read gosh. It so, well, um, it's in pre-sales now, oh, but uh, but we can probably uh, get you a copy. I think we have the unapproved version out there. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> I would uh, be happy to review it and whatnot. How, for you, do you think the context of technology has really changed the way you work? Yeah, I mean... There's so many aspects to that because technology is is a fundamental tool that we use, obviously, ourselves to collaborate. It's also something that we create and sell to clients. It's something that we handle once a client's already implemented something from the people side, the change management and all that. So technology is our world, really. I mean, there's nothing that happens today without it. Mm-hmm. And Deloitte as an organization is also trying to become more and more digital. So not only technology in the sense that I think a lot of us grew up with, where technology was like, it was a product or it was, it was software and it was the IT team, yeah. right. But it's it's sort of the way that you think even and the way that you process. And, you know, so, so much of what we think the future is going to be is going to hinge around that kind of digital underpinning. So it's a big topic of conversation. Yeah. And do, I, one of the big things that, that we discuss often is really how digital transformation in organizations impacts different groups in the organization and where there's resistance or whether there's also, you know, I work more sort of everything from aversion to addiction. So I'm dealing with people that are on the spectrum in most cases. Right. But do you find that, in you know, because you have sort of this traditional group of partners that have been there for a long time that are having to change their way of working. Do you find that they're more resistant or more excited about the possibility and the potential for what technology brings to their work? Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably not surprising to you that there's a mix of both. It's a, it's a bell curve of, of adoption. But I would actually say that it actually in some ways maps more to the, the work styles that we're talking about with business chemistry because there are some of the types that are, so drivers, for instance, very comfortable with technology, very interested in technical solutions, you know, they're going to be early adopters of things. And they're also very pragmatic. Um, Pioneers, not necessarily the most technical people, but really willing to try new things. It's like, you know, why not? I'm willing to do it. Guardians are actually comfortable with technology, but very risk averse. Mm -hmm. So if it's a change, and it's like, well, you know, are we sure this is the right change and have we thought through the implications and what are all the pieces of that? And then you've got your integrators who are not really that technically oriented, very people oriented, are going to be much more concerned about the implications to the organization. How is this going to impact people? How are they going to feel about it? How do we make sure that we still have our culture and our collaboration and all that? So depending on what somebody's style is, I think you'll have a very different response to adoption. Mm -hmm. 
And because technology, as we know, becomes, particularly with smartphones, it becomes integrated in our work and our life, and there's a lot more overlap than there used to be, do you find that in an organization like yours that maybe those technology, because it's more of a, a larger fixed organization that has a sort of established rules and systems, has that changed the the way of integrating personal life into your work or sort of work-life balance? Yeah, I think that in general, our firm has tried very hard to give people the flexibility to balance those in a way that works for them. And that's Mm -hmm. going to be different for different people. And technology is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that we're able to do a lot of virtual meetings, for instance, that's huge for work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Another interesting thing that we do in my group is we'll have a Beam robot. So if we have a meeting, we can have somebody there participating on one of those it has a little iPad face yeah. and little wheels and they come in and, you know, is it the same as them being there? No, but it's better than them being a, a voice in the sky. And it yeah. means that that person can be home for, like in my case, the back to school night. You know, yeah. there, there are things you need to balance. The other thing I think that's been a trend that we're seeing is that we're realizing that people are adopting technology in their personal lives mm-hmm. far more than in their business lives. And so we're trying to take the best of that and and bring it back in rather than fighting. And sometimes that's, that's not worked really well. Like when you try to establish your own version of Twitter, for instance, you know, it's not Twitter, you know, people want to use Twitter for Twitter. And and so you've got, you've got some, some mismatch, but, you know, going towards a more app oriented on demand mobile driven kind of world is absolutely the way that, that we're going inspired by the way people are interacting with technology personally. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And so, I mean, with an organization like Deloitte, I mean, I would imagine that there's, you know, different cultures and different in different markets of, of where you are. I assume you're working with global. Yeah. So I work, I'm based in the U.S. Uh, and so I primarily serve the U.S., but we have a global tool and a global business. And so I do, I do also do a lot with what we call our member firms, the broader network. Mm-hmm. And do you find that the culture is different there? Do you have, Are there lots of cultural challenges when you're particularly in the context of technology and accessibility? Yeah, I mean, there's there's maturity curves, as you, you've mentioned, for adoption, and I think different parts of the world are at different stages of that. I do think that, again, the, the advantage we have, in a sense, is that we're looking at it from the human lens of work styles versus anything else, and the, the work styles are universal. Yeah. So I may find a skewing. So, for instance, in, in some of the Asian cultures, I may see a skewing towards some of those more introverted traditional styles because that's a reflection of the culture, but it's still the four styles and we know how to connect with those four styles. Yeah. And I would imagine it probably also helps that you have a very strong company culture and shared value system. Yes. Yes. There's a really, really strong purpose uh, to the company and, and we are all united, I would say, on the ambitions for, for the company and the desire to do more than just, you know, people stay at Deloitte for more than the paycheck. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's really about the people and the, the way that we work. Yeah. And that is shared globally. Yeah. That's great. That's that's good to hear. I mean, because a lot of large consulting companies, they sort of, they get very high churn rates because there's just not that engagement. So exciting to hear that Deloitte doesn't have that. I would love to get some just quick impressions from your work human experience because this is such a great conference and your ideas, I'm sure, are very fresh. What really stands out for you from this event and sort of takeaways that uh, that you're excited about? I'm excited about the showing 
the fact that so many people are invested in this topic and mm-hmm. are willing to commit. This is a long conference. Yeah. The fact that people are willing to commit the time to it and not just show up. I mean, the people I, I was in one of the last sessions on the last day and you, you know, you could just dial it in and you sit there because your boss told you to come. And that was not my group at all. I mean, they were there, they were engaged. And I think everybody realizes that to the topic of technology, I mean, the, the more the world goes in this direction of, of a technology digital driven future, the more essential it is that we focus on the human part of that and, and what it means to be human, you know, adopting the, the technology, using the technology and being able to shape it in a way that's going to benefit ultimately humans. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And I, and I wasn't actually aware of all the recognition tools that uh, Global Forces creating. I mean, yeah. it's so exciting. I mean, yeah. I have sort of stepped away from corporate for a while to go do my <laughs> dissertation work and came back and was like, oh, this is so great. Yeah. There's so much happening in this space. Yeah. It's really exciting to see. Is there anything else that you would like to share about your experience here or thoughts around what you would like to see next coming from this space and this movement and how, you know, the general population can can make more efforts to make the workspace more humane? Yeah. I mean, the, the topic I'm personally very interested in and we'll start doing some research in the greenhouse over the next year is is virtual, virtual in, in particular, because so much of, of what we do is humans meeting with humans in a space. And even this conference, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the benefit isn't just hearing the speakers. It's being able to network and shake hands with them afterwards and all of those in-person interactions. And how do you take the best of that and make it work in a digital environment? Because there's, there's no avoiding that. That is going to be the future. But there's probably a way to do that in a, in, in a, that takes all of the things that we know work in this environment and transforms it into that environment. So I, I would love to see what people are doing around that and how they're helping to promote that sense of engagement. Yeah. What would you recommend based on your experiences in terms of getting the greatest resonance from something like this? What do you recommend people who have had this great face-to-face experience and come home with all these great ideas. How, how do you plan to take that back to Deloitte and really give it the resonance that? Yeah, I mean, it it's it's such a hard question because I think it's the holy grail we all want, right? How do you have this amazing experience and then not have it just be that one time and then it and then it has this tail effect that dwindles very rapidly? Mm-hmm. I think for me personally. The fact that we have social media is incredibly powerful because you can quickly capture some of the things that struck you. You send it out into the world. Somebody picks it up, gets inspired by it. They send it to somebody else. And then you combine that with the old school, you know, human to human interaction. So when we get back, we actually have a meeting with all of our leadership team. We'll share out how this went. We'll talk about some of the themes. And so trying to, to take advantage of what there is out there, but, but it is hard. I mean, everybody's busy and there's, there's sort of this flush of excitement when you come here and then you get back to the real world and you got that you know, spreadsheet doing, you got to get to work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, the work that you're doing is really great. And now for Michael Bush, CEO of Great Places to Work for All. Are there certain companies or culture value-based companies that you find are resistant to using the for all metric and say, well, we're purely interested in where we're going to get our most productivity and an output? Yeah. It for all means something, you know, different all around the world. Mm-hmm. So you can go to a certain part of the world and, you know, I'll, I'll take uh, Brazil. Mm-hmm. 
and people love for all, but in their minds, they don't mean for all. Mm-hmm. They don't mean for all. And so you talk and you go, oh, we don't mean them, but for, oh, for all, for everyone else. So there's that that happens. You can be in another country like uh, Mexico where we have businesses in all these countries. There is no sexual harassment. So when you say for all, they say, sure. But in their minds, they've already translated what you mean. I can be in Saudi Arabia where we have a business. And you say for all, they love it. But the women are sitting 50 feet behind them as they're loving it. They don't see the conflict Mm -hmm. because you can't mean them. So that's a reality. Mm-hmm. That's a global reality. So we still are moving forward, but we're not telling people how we just, for all, get everybody involved, more innovation, more money. You can piece it together, but uh, you know we're not preaching from the from the you know U.S. pedestal. We have enough issues here on our own. So so instead, you know, people. But it's working. I, I can assure you, it's working. People are beginning to go. Hmm. Okay, so if we have Millennial Tuesdays, we ought to have over 55 Wednesdays. Yes. Yes. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. So, you know, he, here in the U.S., people, you know, begin to think more in terms of when you say for all, you have a few reactions. One is people who are doing diversity and inclusion work, they pick their heads up because they go, oh, okay, there's something in it for me here. All right? And... You know, and then there, because it's for all, we're not excluding anyone. So we believe you can include everyone without excluding anyone. So that kind of uh, resonates in, in a different way. You know, we, we have some of the most innovative companies in the world are based in the U.S. that are the most misogynistic enterprises in the world. So tech savvy, new thinking, age in fact, are not correlated with great places to work. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that reality for, you know, for people to deal with. So I, I think it takes, uh, it takes some, some wisdom and experience to, first of all, be open to the idea that you need to change. That comes with life experience. It's pretty tough for a 24-year-old, 25-year-old. And, and then to explore the possibility that while we're doing great, we could be doing much better if we can unlock a lot of people. That takes some wisdom and experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you know the, the companies that we work with are, I would say, really curious. They aren't curious about culture matters. Mm-hmm. They're convinced, just like everybody here at Working. These aren't people who are wondering if culture mm-hmm. you know, affects businesses' performance. They self-select in. They come, people who come to our conference, you know, with our organization, they're self-selected. They have this belief that, um, you know, business is a force for good, it's better for people and better for the world. But there are, there are customers that we have that are purely into capitalism and have a narrow stakeholder group, mm-hmm. like shareholders, you know, maybe, maybe a few others who are now because of getting out innovating, looking at the statistics and seeing that companies that are out innovating them have a workforce that's working for them, mm-hmm. that everybody is working for them and realizing that while 
educational, you know, like the educational performance of people in America, you know, kind of any metric you want to use, you know, are people smarter now than they were, you know, 50 years ago? In terms of education, no. In terms of the smartphone, by far, it's not even close. We have people who haven't finished ninth grade who can talk to you about topics that are going on in the world with facts. So people are more informed and are more intelligent. Therefore, if you can get them to be thinking about your business and what you're doing, if you have a purpose that matters to them, they're going to bring it. Mm -hmm. They're absolutely, absolutely going to bring it. And most people are realizing that they need that mm -hmm. because the thing about a startup that high failure rate, but here's what they have. 150 people obsessed with innovation. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's been around one knows that, and that's what the feeling people like. People are on a bicycle thinking about the company and what they can do. They're walking their dog thinking about the company and what they can do. You can judge it. That's how innovation happens, innovation by all. And there are companies now who are realizing we don't have to act like a startup. We just need to unlock the people. That's all we need to do. It's not like having going to Silicon Valley and sitting in and touring, you know, and eating in nice cafeterias, which is what everybody always asks us about. Tell me Google's secret. It's not the food. It's not the free dry cleaning. It's not these things. It's this thing that they do around innovation. Mm -hmm. But it's not innovation by all. Mm. It's not that. So they can do better there. Yeah. So Fascinating. I love it. I'm definitely going to read your book. I'm okay. looking forward to I'll checking that out. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> okay. No, I, I I really like the whole idea of for all, and I think there's there's so much to be learned in that for for all of us. But I think particularly in the leadership space, there's just you know there's a lot to be learned and innovated on just in becoming more aware of how to be part of that community more effectively. Yeah. So. Thank you for your work. Sure. And, uh, and I look well. forward to, to learning more about it and, uh, and to following your studies as they go on because it sounds like uh, you've got some new metrics that you're going to be do. integrating in there. So yeah, should be very exciting. Before we sign off, do you have any uh, sort of reflections or words of wisdom from what you've captured here while you're at WorkHuman? You know, I, I think I'm inspired being here and that that's what it does because there are a lot of people who believe Business is a force for good. I'm one of them. And that, uh, you know, but you, you want to find a way to do business and do great and in a way that's good for people, for all people, because that's better for the world. And, and people are just better citizens of the world if they're treated with respect. Mm -hmm. And you can't say you respect somebody and then they look at the top of the organization and see no one like themselves. So uh, you may think that's working. It's not. So um, I, I think it's good to get grounded with people who, who understand that and that the world needs to change. I just left a session um, on, on that topic. And then basically get energized to go out and face the people who feel like, no, it's only about the shareholder. And it doesn't have to be for all. And it's working pretty well like it is today. So I'd really rather not change it. Uh, I, I think that what we have to try and do is help those people understand that, Look, if it's money that they want, there's a way for them to make more of it. 
That's a great way to turn it around. Oh, yeah, it's, it's I love it. It's so true. <laughs> well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me today. I know you've got a crazy schedule while you're here. Sure. But I do appreciate your taking the time to share your thoughts with us and your work and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation at some point. Very good. Thank you. Great. This episode is brought to you by Oscar Wellness. When pain stops, life begins. Oscar Pulse mimics the body's own recovery processes to relieve pain, muscle stiffness, and inflammation using optimized pulsed electromagnetic field technology, PEMF, to encourage recovery at a cellular level so you can get back to life. And I gotta tell you, this thing works so well, my husband and I are fighting over it. So I highly recommend you take a moment and try it out. They have all kinds of options for checking it out, and they've even given us an opportunity to share a discount with you, $55, by using the 2BU code on the OSCO Wellness site. You can check out the show notes to get more details. So I'm Jessica Clay. I lead design and creative at Global Force, and I'm also the executive creative director for the Work Human Conference in Movement. Nice. Awesome. I'm Andy Swan. I am the founder of My Amazing Team. Uh, I wrote a book called The Human Workplace, and I'm a second-time Work Human speaker. Great. During this particular Work Human, you have you're sharing a session. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's that? What's that about? Can you tell a little bit. Where do we start? So, so yeah, that, the overall theme is, is design thinking. How everyone is a designer, whether you know specifically it's in your job title or whether it's through the way you, you go through life and work, you know, making choices and, and learning from mistakes broadly. And we both learned just through talking with one another that design thinking overall, people do it, right? Like it's, it really is in human nature. There's just a methodology to it. And when you really start to put pencil to paper, it's just a tried and true way of doing it. And Andy and I will talk about the two different ways in which we approach design thinking. We actually have a little joke. He's not a designer. I actually am a designer. And then how the two of us actually bring design thinking to our different environments and the way we interact with people and actually change human experiences. Yeah, wonderful. And the whole placemaking concept, it's hard to know whether that's something that's necessarily new or it's finally got a name in some contexts. But how do you find that the placemaking concept fits in the way that you create the space for work human? Well, I definitely think it's an important component of it. So particularly because work human is of the mindset that we're going to try to make the world a better place and we're going to try to do it in the cities in which we are placed. So we have an opportunity. Oftentimes people go to conferences, they get out of the airport, they get in their car, their Uber, and they get directly to the convention center or the hotel and they don't see anything. They see gray walls. They don't see windows, they're in air conditioning the entire time, then they turn around, they eat the prefab food. All they want to do is get back to bed. No air, no circulation, no nothing. And they go home and somebody says, well, how was your trip to so-and-so city? And you're like, I have no idea. I've never even seen outside the windows. So our experience is not only to try to bring the outside in, to really encapsulate that type of experience, but really heighten and allow those people that are coming from all over the globe to experience this work human movement, which is a global movement, to actually feel involved in the city in which we are hosting this event. And because it's a global thing, I mean, we have them all over the place, 
that authenticity is one of our core values. And so being authentic and true to those organizations within the city itself really helps highlight that. And then secondly, when we bring in our charitable component to it through our gratitude bar, again, helping those communities that are localized is really important to us. And so we always try to find a charity that aligns with the values of the conference and how we can make it a better place. Mm -hmm. And so we've chosen three local charities here to be sure that all of those recognition moments and the gratitude that is imbibed here at this conference then goes towards a cause. And we've noticed it makes a huge difference. I love the way, I, I can't remember whether it was Derek or one of your colleagues talked about leaving a place better than when you arrived. And yeah. that's something that I was always raised, mm-hmm. you know, philosophy that I was raised with as well. And I was like, oh, that really resonates for me. And yeah. it's nice to hear a company really walking that talk. Yeah, yeah. Was, and so from an environmental standpoint, again, we have a big gray box here at the Austin Convention Center. And so what are all those local experiences that we can do? Well, bringing the outside in was a natural thing. Mm-hmm. What's authentic to Austin? Food trucks were started here, you know? So... We drove food trucks into the space. We built beautiful facades that are like storefronts because people see, if they don't have an opportunity to go walk up and down the streets, you have to see that here. Bistro lights, real trees, live oak trees, crepe myrtle trees, trees that are local to this space. We brought them in. It was an amazing experience to actually see them coming through the space. It was like a Macy's Day parade as they were coming around, carefully bringing in these trees. And it makes a big difference. It brings some breathability to the space. People can smell the flowers, look at the foliage, touch the foliage, crush the rosemary within their fingers, and, and really have a, a sensory experience. And it's mm-hmm. all part of human. I, yeah, I think, I think yeah, for, for me, as, as an outsider coming in and being part of the conference, I think that word experience is part of it. And, you know, and that's the same whether it's workplace design or, or any experience design. You know, this is more than just the place we come to be. You know, it's, it's the, the whole experience. You know, I've been connected with people on, on the app, and then you can arrange to meet somewhere in the physical space. But you know, there, there's that kind of the space is designed to draw you in and give you that work human experience, but make you want to be there. You know, actually make you want to be in the room and mixing with the other people. And, and that trans- translates to what we're going to be talking about in our thing, thing about the workplace. You know, actually, particularly in, in the day where you know we could share information just by watching TED talks, we could do it all virtually, and we could all sit in our own bedrooms and, and watch the whole conference online. Actually, you get more from being there and connecting, and that kind of then you know is magnified to to what we talk about when we're creating organisations and workplaces. Actually, what makes you want to go to that place and belong as part of it and get an experience from it when actually you don't need to to be able to function on a daily basis. Yeah, that's a great point. And actually, we were talking a little bit before you came in about South by Southwest, and the one thing that I noticed that was really stood out for me at South by Southwest this year was the way that brands were creating experiences. And there was a lot of these sort of treasure hunt type things where, you know, you had to use their app or you, you know, had some connection point at their booth. But then you had to basically go all through Austin to try to find a bunch of different things or people that were wearing signs. And it was just a great way to really engage with the city and to engage with the brands. Mm -hmm. And I think, I hope we'll see a lot more of that. I agree. And that is similarly to how we treat things here at Work Human. And, you know, there's... There's something for everybody. So as an example, first thing, when you come to the registration area, we wanted to give you a gift. So we gave you earbuds. But we didn't just give you earbuds because you just are going to go listen to your Spotify over in the corner. We gave you earbuds, and we are encouraging you to go use these 
through video recognition moments that you may receive and or give at the gratitude bar. So it's already using that gift that we're giving to you as an activation. That's mm-hmm. a human experience. Yeah. So it, it caused a bit of conversation at the registration area that then translated into an experience. Secondly, you know, if you wanted a tote bag because now you're starting to gather things, similarly to that scavenger hunt, well, go make a tote bag. Well, you get to pick from four different designs of your tote bag that all speak to a unique value of your own make it your own Mm -hmm. design something that's unique to you go get these amazing tattoos you know we don't want to just have the type of conference where you can walk up and like a crackjack box you know lick the back of a tattoo and everybody's the same everybody's unique so we brought in tattoo artists that can help you self-identify in any which way you want to and the line is out the door. So we've made the human experiences as a way to activate our space. And to Andy's point, hopefully that is what translates to those connections. Because that person right behind you in line is looking at your experience and going, oh my God, that is so cool. I wouldn't have picked red for that flower, but now, you know, like, it just causes interactions with people. But it also means that, that that interaction is so intense. So when you come here, this is the center of working for these few days. So it's so intense and you have such an experience that when you go away, it's not like... You go to any boring conference, sorry, not boring, you go to any conference, you listen to some people in suits talking in a blank hotel conference suite, you get your, your handouts and you leave and you go back to work and you forget about it. You know, this is such an intense experience that the idea is it radiates out. So even when you're not connected physically to this space anymore, next week, the week after, actually, it still resonates and you're still going to be contacting with work human and the people you met and collaborating and those kind of, you know, those, that ripple effect happens and it keeps you connected to work human until you can get back to to the head office, yeah, as it were, you know, to, to the main centre of it next year. And I think, I think that's the thing, you know, and I talk about the tote bags, you know, I printed on mine. The, the one I selected was this, you know, join the movement. And that's the thing, it's, it's a movement. And actually, how many, how many business conferences would you go to where they would just be, it's a business conference, here's some information. And it's the same, it's the same as we're trying to create with organisations these days. Actually, why should someone come and work for you? Why should someone buy from you? Why should someone be associated with your brand and your company? They have to have a reason. So every, you know, every organisation, every event, whatever it is, needs to be a movement to build a community because that, that's where loyalty lies. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. exactly right. Now, now, I think you guys have done a beautiful job with it. It's really exciting to see. And I'm curious, how do you see the sort of, as you were saying, after the event. Mm-hmm. How do you think that continuing that experience or continuing that connection uh, will happen? I mean, what, are your sort of, what do you anticipate or what do you hope will happen there? So over the past three years, and even as soon as about a half an hour ago, we were receiving notifications to, to Global Force employees. They're asking, attendees are asking us, how long are you going to keep the app open? We want to have that time to go connect with one another once again once we get back. How many of these key takeaways can we take? In particular, Andy and I, our session, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had key actionable items that somebody could take back to their organization. I think that from a connection standpoint, the community that is already being formed here, yes, of course, we have social channels. We have lots of different other things. I'm watching people really have human interactions. I'm watching a lot of hugs, a lot of real eye-to-eye contact, you're watching people be very kind to one another. I think those connections cross boundaries. I feel as if it's, while Global Force can provide a lot of opportunities for all of these connections to happen, I actually feel like the humans themselves are going to do a lot of that on their own. They're going to seek it out. Mm -hmm. I know I'm an introvert. 
And so I need a little bit of quiet time every now and again. So yesterday I was sitting by myself in one of the tables and this woman came over to me and she recognized that I just needed a little bit of time. And she just sat down, she sat across from me, she opened up her salad, she started eating her salad, and we just made eye contact. And it was just this nice, beautiful moment. And I introduced myself and she introduced herself and that's when I was like, okay. I got the right vibe and we started this beautiful conversation and she honestly is one of these people that I'm so happy I met. She's on the West Coast. She works for an organization that I think is a wonderful organization and we're going to follow up and just talk to one another next week. Mm -hmm. I'm not in sales. She's not in sales, but we're just going to talk and have a mm -hmm. connection. It was beautiful. It was a re I, I keep using the word beautiful a lot here this week because that's what it feels like. Well, I'd have to agree with you there. I've had several of those connections myself, and I'm, like you, an introvert. And so sometimes I have to force myself to that, okay, well, there's an empty spot. I'm just going to sit there and see what happens, yeah. you, know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? But you end up sitting next to another introvert that's sort of like, hmm, maybe mm -hmm. we should have a conversation. Or, you know, in the coffee line, you know, connected with another doctoral, you know, PhD, and we're like, oh, wait, I can have a scientific conversation with you, and you're not going to be like, what are you talking about? Right, right. You know, where you sort of geek out, but in a fun way. Totally. So it is quite beautiful when you actually see those connections happening. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. One of the things I'm really excited about that I hadn't anticipated seeing here was learning more about the work human cloud that you guys are working on and the capability with this, with the recognition software. And I think the way that you've used it in the event is really fun with the gratitude bar. That's a really, you mentioned it earlier, and I think that that's something, can other events harness that tool and use that in the same way? Or is that something, you know, does it stand alone? Because I would think so many other event hosts could really benefit from tools like that to really help people connect in a more authentic way. Absolutely. So last year was our first year that we had brought the Gratitude Bar to our Work Human event. And it was an idea that came because what was happening the two years prior, people would walk up to all the Global Force employees and say, gosh, you guys are so engaged. You're so into this. You Do you really, are you guys really like this? And we just kept saying, it, I'm telling you, it's, it's in our DNA. It's part of who we are. It's the culture that we've built at our organization, which is why you can then translate into an event, which then translates to the people that you're affecting at the event. So coming back upon reflection, we were thinking, okay, the core of it really is social recognition for us at Global Force. Mm -hmm. We know we are super users of it. We really do drink the Kool-Aid, as they say, in a good way. And, um, and you know, we're firm believers in it. And we... we realize that if we're not bringing that to people, it's just lip service. And so we brought the gratitude bar as an activation. Again, another human interaction. And it wasn't a, like a selling model. It mm -hmm. was more just like, okay, no, truly, this is who we are. This is what we do every day to each other, which creates a culture that is unlike any other. It was a phenomenal success. We had benchmarks that we triple-folded it was just astounding. And then immediately thereafter, we were getting requests to bring it out on the road. How do we bring this to a trade show? How do we bring this? Can you bring this at my corporate event? Can you do this? Can you do this? We actually built a standalone gratitude bar that uh, we've taken to two large trade shows. 
and one in Canada and one in the U.S. and they've been a massive success. So it's bring it's everything that we can do to help bring a little bit of more positivity and gratitude throughout the world. Oh, I love it. it. It very much speaks to the way that I work and part of what I teach when I'm dealing with people. You would think. You know, when you're talking about the human relationship with technology, what does that have to do with gratitude? Well, first thing I teach is to develop a gratitude practice with your technology because it it definitely removes some of the friction in your relationship, whether it's with people you've just met or whether it's technology that you're not quite sure about how that relationship's going to go. Just recognizing it for the little things that it does to improve the quality of your day and your life is so important. I'm curious, Andy, because you're... You're not at, uh, at Global Force, but you wrote this book. Have you seen other activations or other things similar to this that, that have had the same kind of effect? I mean, not, not specifically in terms of, of an event like this, but I think you know, we, we live in the age where you know, it's experience first and, and connection first. So it's, you know, every organization is trying to find that way to connect people with the organization. And I think we're starting to move from, from the, first, the first wave of technology where we're thinking, oh, how can we you know, use technology to control people? And how, but to go, actually, how can we use technology to enable us to serve people better? Because we're starting to realize that actually when people thrive, organizations thrive too, or communities thrive, or, or whatever it may be. And so, so we now have the ability to gather data or to connect with people in different ways and to, and to enhance that whole experience. And then that, that then kind of you know, magnifies the, you know, the, the physical experience that, that people are given. So you know, we live in the age of experience. We expect experiences the whole time. You know, user experience is something we expect when we pick up our phone and use an app. And that's now translating into physical environments and our interactions with all communities. So yeah, it's, it's something that, that you know, every, organi- I mean, every organization I spoke, for, I spoke to in the book you know, is trying to do it in some aspect of their of their organization, whether it's in the way they innovate or whether it's in the way they, they manifest their workplaces or how they communicate with their people or how they recognize or reward people. You know, there's, there's pockets of all of this stuff. I think we're still, you know, wait and see a major global corporation get the whole package right and bring the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's there. Yeah, we're in that shift where it's starting to, starting to be recognized and, and get there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's exciting. I'm so happy to see that that the experience part is, and it, it helps you actually retain a lot of what you're seeing or hearing as well in a totally different way. Yeah. It sort of accommodates all of the other learning styles. Mm-hmm. So there's no one thing that stands out to you uh, from another company? I'm just curious in, in terms of comparison of other experiences that you've seen. I, mean, I, I, think, I think it's across the board, really. I think you, know, you, have, you have amazing companies like Schneider Electric who are handing power for creating workplaces they, they have a centralized kind of idea or a centralized strategy, but they're giving it to the local location, saying, right, you translate this for what it means to you locally. So what, the, what they, they call it call signs. Mm-hmm. What that looks like in India is completely different to what it looks like in France, but it's the same set of principles. So you've got the, you know, the company mission and the set of values and the guiding principles of the organization, but then it's given to the people to translate to a way that enables them to work. Because I think it's that recognition. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to Coca-Cola, Microsoft, all of these companies, particularly Microsoft, who you think would use data to, to really control people. But what they're gathering data in the workplace for is to understand how can we give that individual, that team, and the whole organization the best opportunity to do their best work today. And and instead of using the data to control people, they're using it to enable people. So I think it's this kind of realization that organizations have power now because they have so much data, but the, the best way to use that power is to buy it, is to use it to create an experience for people and hand it back to the people to, to do their do their best work individually, as teams, collectively, whatever that might be. Yeah. Yeah, that really well said. I, I think that that's so key. 
Gosh, there's so many different things that I'm, I'm like, I could talk to you guys for hours. Let's <laughs> do so it. Many we'll be done at, yeah. what's not, two? <laughs> you meet me down um, there at Conversations Cafe. <laughs> yeah. I know you guys are your talk today, so I, don't, I won't keep you that long, and I would love to continue this conversation at another time. But you know, before I, I send you off, do you have any sort of words of wisdom for those who are you know interested in creating more of the experience type thing but really don't know where to start in terms of engaging the people in their organization or their teams sort of what are sort of the, some of the key first starting points to help them understand how to harness that can i go first yeah, the first word for me would be empathize take a look at what's around you right that's going to be your key to creating an authentic organization that's what people expect now. And if they don't know that they expect it, they do. It's all part of a human experience. As Andy said, people are used to having everything at their fingertips. What's going to make you stand out and unique are your authentic value problem. So I would empathize with the people that you have currently in your organization. I would empathize with those that you think you would like to draw to your organization from a recruitment standpoint. Think about it as your levers for your culture. That would be my first thing. And it actually is like one of the first steps for design thinking principles mm-hmm. for me is, is the very first one is take that time up front to really pay attention to what's mm-hmm. around you. So that listening component, mm-hmm. so key. Yep. I mean, I'd have two things that fit in with that and just wrap around it really. So, so yeah, that very first starting point, actually who's the best to tell you what they need from an event, a workplace, whatever it is, it's the people who are going to be using it. You know, talk to people, communicate. Don't just deliver something and then try and shoehorn people into it. Actually find out what they want because if they need to use it, the best people to tell you what they need is the users. So I think that's really important. And then, then the other side of it is understand that it's never finished. You know, when you... Yeah, as work human looks different to when I came two years ago. Yeah, if you if you design a workplace, you design an office. The moment you move people into that office, doesn't mean that project's finished. That's when the story starts, really, mm-hmm. because now people are in it. That evolves, and and their needs will shift, and, and what they you know what they do in there will shift, and and then that that needs to continue to evolve. And I think that's yeah the essence of design thinking as well. Things are never finished. They constantly evolve. Don't think of any project or program as an as an end to end A to B thing. Just think of it as a cycle that's ever ever-evolving and, and you know, just continues to have the adventure. Yeah. Yeah, be very open-minded. Be very yeah. open-minded to change. It's, yeah. the best, it's the best thing you can do to help evolve and grow. It's the way you can scale. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much thank for taking you. the time to share your thoughts with us today and look forward to continuing the conversation in another time. Thank you for joining us for The Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.